Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Join Hoda Kotfi for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with Zibby. I'm the host, Zibby Owens. I am an author. My latest is blank, pub date March 1st, a novel. I'm also a podcaster, obviously, a publisher, a bookstore owner, and so much more. If you love books, you're in the right place. In fact, we call it the Zivyverse, or really, the LA Times called it the Zivyverse, and we're going with it. Go to zivyowens.com to learn more, and follow me on Instagram at zivyowens. I had the immense honor of interviewing the legendary Joan Collins. Behind the shoulder pads, tales I tell my friends. We did this as a live in-person event in front of the whole Zibby's Bookshop audience on the anniversary of Zibby's Bookshop, which has now been around for a year, which is crazy. Anyway, here is Joan Collins's bio, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. I had the best time interviewing her. Joan Collins is a legend of the screen and stage. Dame Joan Collins is perhaps best known for playing Alexis Carrington in the globally popular television series, Dynasty. She has appeared in over 70 films, hundreds of TV shows, and over a dozen plays. She's also a best-selling author of 17 books. Actually, I think it was 19 by the time I saw her. And many articles and editorials, including those for The Spectator magazine. She was made a dame in 2015 by Queen Elizabeth II for her charity work and services to drama. She and her husband, Percy Gibson, divide their time between London, Los Angeles, and the south of France, which she talks all about in her book. 
So honored today to have Joan Collins here. This is so exciting. Thank, Thank you for you. coming to Zibby's Bookshop and coming on the podcast to discuss Behind the Shoulder Pads, Tales I Tell My Friends, and now all of us as well. Yes, well, you can all be my friends <laughs> so now that you've heard the stories. Yeah, well, it is um, kind of a memoir, uh, not really because I've written two or three other memoirs. So I figured I don't want to talk about my childhood and all of those boring things, and I do. So I, I scan past that, although I do talk about when I first met my sister, Jackie, and how horrified I was because I'd been taken away by my aunt for four days, and I didn't know why. And when I came back, my father proudly took me into the room where my mother was sitting holding this squalling thing. Which, and I didn't know anything about that. And I said, what's that? And she said, this is your new sister, Jacqueline Jill. And I said, what a stupid name. <laughs> and I said, where did she come from? And mommy said, God brought her. Anyway, that was a long time ago when children of four didn't know anything, you know. But that's the sort of story that I tell about. And there's quite a few of those. And you talk about in your childhood dodging the air raids and World War II and having to yes. escape. That was Well, one of the things that was so great about my mother, which I only appreciated later, was the fact that she kept us totally protected we didn't well we couldn't read newspapers and there weren't that well there were my parents read newspapers but they were always hidden there was the radio but that was never on we had plenty of toys and we drew and we painted and we read but we didn't know how terrible this war was when you compare it today to children in the ukraine for example and wherever there is conflict. They know from the age of 18 months, too. We knew nothing. We didn't know that Hitler, the Nazis, were at our shoreline, ready to invade us. My mother kept it all from us. And this is only something that I appreciated many years later because, you know, I didn't... I was so busy, you know, being an actress, being a mother, being a wife, getting married, all the things. And it was only when I started to write and ruminate, I thought, I really had good parents. And not only did she do that, but I was not allowed to see any disturbing films. Nothing with guns, nothing with violence, nothing with blood. I remember begging to be allowed to go and see this film with Tyron Power and... Rita Hayworth, I can't remember what it was called. And they said, no, it's too violent. It will affect your brain. And frankly, I think they were right. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you quickly got into the most illustrious academy and were got this massive contract in, in movies and films and Hollywood glamour, even though you started so young. What was that like for you? Because in the book, you introduce us to basically every big-name Hollywood person ever you've had an experience with? Well, it's true, because, you know, in that particular time, this is before paparazzi. It's before every time you went out, you would find, you know, the tourists would, buses would come, and people were walking, at, all of the actors were there. They were out like ordinary people. I mean, I remember the first time I went out, I saw Fred Astaire walking down the street, Fred Astaire, I mean, you know, dressed beautifully, and it was like 
just quite amazing that you would see them. And then I'd go out to a dinner and there would be Lana Turner sitting or you'd go and you'd see Hedy Lamarck. They were just around. They were around like you guys are around. Mm. Oh, you're wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> Just the same. As okay. <laughs> Judy Garland running yeah. in the door holding Eliza. Oh, oh yeah, that was quite funny. Judy Garland comes running into this party at Gene Kelly's house. And I'm not dropping names. I was there, and I was there many, many, many times. And she had this squalling breath in her arm. She said, I'm so sorry I'm late. Liza wouldn't stop crying. <laughs> <laughs> and then you also took a ride with James Dean, and you said, I was in Jimmy's car, and I was so scared. I was because he went from zero to 60 in about 10 minutes and from downtown Hollywood to Beverly Hills to see a very famous actor who was like God. All of the kids used to sit, we used to sit and, at his feet and he used to talk about his life and tell anecdotes. But Jimmy got there so fast. And the guy I was with, that I was dating, said, you know, he's going to kill himself in that car once. You know, that's ridiculous that you went in that car. And I said, well, you know, it's a beautiful car, who knows? You know, I, when you're 20, 21, you're not frightened of anything. You really aren't. And, of course, six months later, I'm in New York and I get a knock on the door and it's that friend, Arthur, and he came in and he said, Jimmy died in that car six months later. Yeah. No, there were some very fascinating people. They were all very fascinating, and I was lucky enough to work with some of the fascinating people. And, you know, to do my first Hollywood film, I was working with Betty Davis. To do my second Hollywood film, it was Ray Milland and Farley Granger. And then it was, the next one, it was June Allison and Ann Miller and you know, a whole bunch of very famous actresses. <laughs> That's who I was working with. Amazing. When you talked about fast-forwarding quite a bit when you were on Dynasty and mm -hmm. you did a big collaboration, you talked a lot in the book about the costume and yes. how you really made that character into who Alexis was was so much you and your input into how she should dress and look and be. Talk a little bit about that. Well, I had watched a lot of 1980s, 19, late 1970s uh, TV shows, and I wasn't terribly impressed by the way the actresses are dressed. Most of them wore, like, slacks and a silk blouse, and <laughs> sort of the way I'm dressed now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, very simply, and when Nolan Miller, the great designer, talked to me about, you know, how did I see my character... I said, well, I see her as being very haute couture. She, this woman has been exiled from America. She has been exiled, and she has become a jet setter. She's going around the world. She's going to all the, te uh, the fashion shows. She, you know, meets prince princes and kings and counts, and she's very up there with the society and aristocracy, and she would dress in a very, very stylish manner. Do you think we can do that? And he said, well, I don't think we have a couture in Hollywood. I said, well, why can't we make it? Because he had this whole group of wonderful seamstresses and cutters and brilliant women, mostly sort of Italian and Romanian and French who had been there since the 40s or 50s. And they would make things. And we then had a collaboration, Nolan and me, and he would talk to me and say, so... You have a scene. Well, how do you see yourself 
in the scene where you go to Moldavia, and it's cold there. And I said, well, I saw a picture of Princess Diana in Russia, and she's wearing an astrakhan hat and an astrakhan muff and a gray coat, waisted, and, and boots, and I think that would be good. So I tore it out of Hello! magazine, and uh, he co- they copy it in a week. And the same thing with another scene where I'm being chased around and uh, this guy's trying to murder me. And he said, uh, what do you, how do you see this? And I said, well, I've got to be in something that I can really move in, you know. And I don't really want to wear trousers because Alexis, I didn't see her in trousers very often. She did wear them, but not, she was more of a skirt girl. And I said, well, how about a you know, crossover dress in like very soft suede? How about dark green with matching boots? Can you do matching boots, Nolan? And he said, yeah, we can do matching boots. And they did within two days. It was quite magical. I don't know how they did it then. But that was um, years ago when, you know, they really cared about how you looked on the screen. Although you do mention that there's one outfit they had to make four of when you went into the oh, water over one, and over. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they had to make more, and they used the most horrible, cheap material that every time I went in, it shrunk. So the, by the time we did the fourth take and I was in the water, it was like the size would fit an eight-year-old. <laughs> oh so part of what makes your book just so hard to put down and delicious is it's not just about the famous names and the situations that you are in, but you interweave all of this personal stuff about your family and your relationships and your emotions and speeches that are really important to you over time, falling in love with Percy, all of that. And I wanted to read just one, and your sense of humor sort of permeates everything. There's one passage I wanted to read when you're giving suggestions for what to do when you're sort of locked in COVID, and one of them is exercise. And you say, another great cure for all ills, exercise is key, but can also be a source of resentment. My husband has been on a health kick for the last few years, so he will wake up early for a run or a workout and come home flushed with virtuous accomplishment while I lie in bed reading all the papers, sipping several cups of coffee. Percy's smug face seems to say, so when are you getting moving? I contemplate throwing the contents of my cup at him, but then I think better of it. What a waste of coffee. The whole book is like that. Your quips, your fun, great lines. I mean, to me... Humour is what gets you through life. It's very important. Unfortunately, it seems that, you know, it's sort of sadly lacking today in very many ways. I mean, I don't know why, but you don't see as much as you used to. But then again, you know, people have to be careful. I don't think I've offended anybody by what I said. Maybe Percy. Is he here? (laughs) It's our anniversary today, by the way. Yay! 22 years. I I can't believe it. It feels like eight, you know. But did you like the fact that Percy wrote some yes, I did. chapters in the book? Well, not chapters, half chapters in the book. Like, I would describe how I felt about going to the first day of doing this play, Love Letters, which I was doing in San Francisco, and that's when I first met Percy. And he, you know, he was the company manager. And he described in the book how he felt when he met me. And it's quite different how how we say. And then when we did the audio, which I had to say I haven't heard yet, but I remember doing it. Percy read his his part. Do we have the, oh no, the audio is something that you get online, isn't it? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could, I could get it for you if you want to hear it. (laughs) After this, I could get it it on my phone. Don't worry. No, I did like, because you got to hear his voice and his side of the story Mm -hmm. as well. And I feel like I was joking before about your hypothetical conversation in the car. And I was like, well, I feel like I know what she and Percy are like in private because it's in the book, your whole relationship. Yeah, I guess so. You know, we had a, we had a lovely morning drinking coffee and opening presents. I, I gave him a an Oscar with an inscription on it. I'm not going to tell you what it said. <laughs> <laughs> and I also gave him a photograph of me with Superman, and I put post his head on it. <laughs> yeah. So what readers or listeners might not know is the age difference between the two of you and how which at first... Which we don't talk about. Which yeah. we don't talk about. Okay. But at first, this was a... You know, you both had to... Well, not him. He was all in from the beginning, really. But you yeah. had to come to terms with that and make a decision. And you took yourself to a spa for a weekend and said, okay, am I going to do this or not do this? Well, one of the reasons that I went to the spa is not necessarily for that. Is that I'd been in a relationship uh, for over 10 years that wasn't that really wasn't going anywhere and I had to make this decision did I want to give up this relationship which was not at all fulfilling it was just more like a sort of oh funny friend who was there not all the time but just sometimes anyway that's what I did I went yeah and then I made up my mind and then to be with him, and then on 9-11, when 9-11 occurred, which was, what was the year, what, was, what year was that? It was 2001. 2001. 2001, yeah. September 2001 is when we decided to get married, when we saw what had happened and how everybody had lost so much and the carnage, and we said, let's get married as soon as possible. He did, and I agreed. <laughs> even though I'd done it a few times before. Um, But now we've been married for 22 years, which is more than all four of my marriages put together. (laughs) Because two of them lasted for one year, and two of them, the the two that I had, the husbands I had children with, lasted for seven or eight years. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the Cat in the Hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. 
So sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic Tongue Twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. And you write really beautifully about your children also, although you did have a a horrible scare when your daughter Katie was in an accident. You write about that and Mm. later when she fainted. I mean, you've gone through a lot of really tragic, difficult stuff, and yet you write about it concisely and with humor and in your upbeat style. Well, I think probably it has something to do with the fact that, um, you know, our family motto was just get on with it, don't moan, don't complain, uh, do it. Nobody's ever going to do anything for you except yourself. And came into the business, a business that my father did not want me to go into, acting. He said, you know, you'll be finished by the time you're 23. You've got to face all these predatory men which is really something that you didn't even think about. Predatory men, what are they? Well, (laughs) a lot of them. And so my father was quite a good influence on me in, in that. So I had the perfect combination of a very strict father, but loving, and a very soft, vulnerable, sweet and loving, definitive 1950s mother. All she cared about was her children and her husband and keeping the family together. And I'm very grateful for that, that combination. I think it's really important, you know, if you if it's possible to have a great family life. You know, I finally found it with Percy, but I tried four times and it didn't work. But I finally found, I found Mr. Right. <laughs> You also dodged many sort of natural disasters over the course of your life. You yes. had multiple fires that you escaped. Yes. And, I mean, it's like a it's like a movie. Your life is like a movie. I know it is actually. How about yeah? The, this on the Chinese junk when we were yes. having a little travel. We were in Hong Kong, and my girlfriend Judy and I were going on what we thought was a pleasure trip on a Chinese junk out just around Hong Kong to see the sights and a tornado came up and the Chinese junk, they couldn't control it and it was being it was being pulled out to the most dangerous sea in the world, the South China Seas. And we almost died. Of course, you told, <laughs> and, your, you yeah. told your friend not to wear her wig upstairs. Oh, yeah. It went flying She'd away t- and you're like, I told you yeah. so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. There's a big part of the book that also takes place in the south of France and the big benefit parties and Leonardo DiCaprio's party and mm. all the famous restaurants like saint on saint and all the all the places where you were out and about and relishing and loving the life there. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, you have to read the book because, <laughs> I mean, that's... Uh, just how we tried to live our life in the summer. I always wanted to have a place to take my children. At one point, I had six children, all under the age of 12. I had three stepchildren, and I had Tara and Sasha, who were like nine and seven, and then I had a baby, Katie, and these other children who were nine, 10, and 12. and. I thought, you know, what we're spending a fortune take, telling them, taking them to hotels. 
So I said, we have to find a place, you know, I had to buy a house. So I bought a house in Spain and we'd take the child, all the children there because there's loads of school holidays. If anybody's got any children, they know how many holidays there are <laughs> and half-term in England, half-term holidays, which last for 10 days. So we would take the children there and then unfortunately I had to sell that house because somebody did some horrible things with my money. But that's, you know, is I can't put all this concisely, you know, just talking to you, Gatebi, although I like talking to you. Thank you. It's, um, you really have to read it. Because I have been, I mean, I'm not, I'm just thinking about an actress today that I've been reading about that was complaining a lot about her lot. Oh, it's so hard to be me. Every time I go out to dinner, I have to pay for everybody $3,000. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but it's in the papers. You can look it up. <laughs> but I just, um, I have a, you know, I have a thing, you know, you eat life or life eats you and, you know, live every day as though it's your last because one day it will be. <laughs> All kinds of mottos. Yes. <laughs> you also, in one scene in the book, someone says to you, oh, you used to be the actress Joan Collins, and you said, oh, I still am. <laughs> well, I didn't quite say it like that. To be okay. That's, that's how I, I read say, it. That's how I read it. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I would say, and yes, I still am. <laughs> oh, that's better. I have more of a Betty That's Davis. better. <laughs> that's much better, yes. Yeah, oh, no, that, I still get that. I just get, in fact, yesterday, I was at a shop, in Beverly Hills, and this guy said, you know, and it's an upmarket shop. He said, I, I know you, who, who, who are you? And I said, well, if you, why are you asking me who I am? You, should, you shouldn't ask me that. You know, this is a posh shop, what are you doing? Anyway, he went, no, I know you're somebody. Are you one of those Collins sisters? And I thought, Collins sisters, I mean, I was, but my sister's been dead for eight years. I mean, what a... Fool. I walked away. I said, you're very rude. <laughs> and I said to the owner of the shop, I said, you have to tell him. He can't go up to a customer. Would you do that in your no, shop? No. Who are you? No, I know no. you. I know who you are. You look familiar. I would never do that. <laughs> well, I know you would. <laughs> but you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed how much it happens. Anyway, I, yeah. I, do you think yeah. there's anything your sister would read in this book and say, oh, no, you really shouldn't have put that in? Do you? <laughs> Obviously, you do. Are you I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering. There's a lot in the book. It's it's amazing. That's why it's so juicy. Yeah, I don't think she probably like when I said Jackal and Jill. Oh, what a stupid name! <laughs> when you're four, I don't think she. I don't know. I'd have to read it again and judge it. <laughs> because I haven't really read it since I wrote it. And then going back over and then having to do the, the audio, which was torture. <laughs> we were stuck in a room with no air conditioning, no cell phone access, no water. That, right at the bottom of the uh, Albert Hall for some reason. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, you say also in the book how much you love Scrabble and all these other mm -hmm. games and... For you, it, it almost feels like life is a game. Like, there there has to be this joy and this pleasure and spirit. Do you feel like that? Yes, I do. I try to live each day, you know, in which I enjoy something, I, I learn something, and I achieve something. And um, I try to add that up at the end of the day. Enjoy is easy. Just watch, you know, television. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> or no, I, I do like to watch old movies on TV, and and I think that's what I try to do. I achieve something. I'm writing now, not anything specific, but I try to write it. And I, yeah, I am. I am writing something. I'm writing a, an article for a, new, a magazine. <laughs> and you've written 19 books. I have. That's crazy. So I many know. books. Why is it crazy? It's just like I don't know. It just feels like how many well, times my sister did... wrote how many. How many did Jackie write? Does anybody know here? Didn't she write something like 38 or 40? No? We'll look it up. <laughs> Google. Somebody Google. <laughs> oh, there she goes. Yeah. I didn't yeah. mean to say it's a great. It's a fabulous accomplishment. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I might write, write one more because one of the things that people... 32. Uh, 32. Oh, 32. Wow, well, that's, you know, that's an accomplishment. But of course she was... <laughs> yeah, well, maybe one more. Uh, and I think I'll call it... I don't know how she does it. Because that's what people... All my friends keep saying, I don't know how you do it. You're doing... You're being on this tour, and now I'm getting ready to do a movie in Prague, which I'm looking Ooh. forward to. Yeah, I've never been to Prague, so that'll be an adventure. What can you say about the movie? Oh, it's a, like a murder mystery Agatha Christie type mm. thing. Yeah, so I would be the uh, Monsieur Pure, Pure Poirot or Miss Marple, the one who solves it. <laughs> it's rather good. So what advice would you have to an aspiring author? Aspiring author? Yeah. Oh, never stop writing. Start at the beginning. I mean, I started writing when I was 12. I edited uh, the fourth form newspaper, and I wrote stories. And then my sister, I taught my sister to write, because she's four years younger. So she started to write. She wrote much more than me, because she wasn't an actress then. Uh, so when I started acting, I kind of stopped. But then I started keeping diaries. And you know, who was it that said... If you keep a diary, one day it'll keep you. <laughs> so this has certainly been true. Because I had to do a lot of research on this. I mean, so, uh, some of the stories. I mean, the one where we're trapped on the beach in Greece with Christopher yes. Biggins and my girlfriend with no water and no loo. I mean, <laughs> that was, I'd forgotten about that one. <laughs> I just, and then this terrible street that they called Joan Collins Boulevard. I'd gone to open a hotel, which turned out to be a dump. Yeah. <laughs> I thought of something maybe Jackie wouldn't want you to put in. What? But about her scene with Marlon Brando. She loves that story. Okay, okay. <laughs> she adored that. And she would always wink and not tell us what happened, what the end game was. But I was sitting there with a group of people. I won't tell you who they were because you'll say I'm dropping names. But uh, We would never so, say that. Okay, Paul Newman. <laughs> Anyway, and Paul is saying, your sister, and he was sitting there with a beer, I said, your sister's going up the stairs with Marlon. And I said, I know, I see that. She's his favorite movie star. I mean, he's her favorite movie star. He said, I know, but, I mean, you know, she's 18 and he's, you know, 30-something. And I said, well, what can I do? He said, do you think you should go up and stop her? I said, well, I know Mummy said I had to take care of her, but she would never forgive me if I went upstairs and stopped them going up there. So when they came down, I said, so what happened? And she just did that girly giggle, and she's never told anybody, not even her children. Whoa. So nobody knows. That's a good way to be. That's a good way to be. Any secrets of being a working actor for 
your entire life. Never so many... give up, really. Any actors here? No? Yes. Yeah? Two. Well, yes. never give up, except rejection <laughs> constantly. Don't you? I did, yeah. And, I mean, I I was... Oh, I, I have that story in about... I was fired by... Bluetorn. Yes. yes. Yeah, and I just I saw... I love that show, too, by the way, The Offer. Oh, You talk great. about The Offer. Has anyone seen the show The Offer? Mm-hmm. It was so amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, that's one of my favorite shows. I've seen it twice. All about the making of Godfather, mm-hmm. The Godfather. And Charles Bluetorn, in this film, keeps on saying, you're fired, you're fired. And when we're watching it, I say to Percy... He fired me <laughs> from that movie I was going to do with Michael Caine called The Italian Job. And I was, I was hired for it. And uh, then my agent told me, you fi- he fired you. And I said, why? She said, I don't know, but you got paid. I said, so. <laughs> but it would have been nice to have done a film with Michael because he's a friend of mine. Is there anybody you want to do a film with now that you haven't? Well, I would love to have worked with... De Niro mm. or Gene Hackman. I, to me, they are just giants. But, you know, it's never too late, is it? Never or is too it? late. I don't know. <laughs> Get I'm a- happy to work, you know, whoever it is. How are you going to celebrate your wedding anniversary? Uh, we're going out to lunch with a group of friends after I do my signing, if anybody's going to be. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for well, coming you, on Zibby. the show. Thank you, everybody, thank for you. being here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music.